Hey guys, it's your big face host, Sammy Jane here. Um, I just wanted to give you guys a heads up again. This is another one of the interviews that I did before COVID, before the pandemic. So I just wanted to give you guys a heads up. So if it seems confusing that it doesn't really align with the way we're living now, it absolutely does not. Um, but Nikki Neon, my guest, and the interview that we did was such a beautiful, inspiring experience. And even though it's not exactly how we're living right now and things are different, uh, it's really nice to remember what's important. And this interview did that for me and I'm sure it will for you. So guys, dig in. Um, it's a two-parter, part one, part two. So two weeks coming at you. Enjoy, guys. And now, this week's edition of Big Face with your host, Samantha Jane Tilton. Heyo, welcome to Big Face. Welcome back. You're here with your host, me, Samantha Jane Tilton, a.k.a. Sammy Jane. And not just me, because uh, we have our guest here today, Mr. Nick Neon. Hello. Hi. Hello. He is hey. an actor and filmmaker. Yes. And director and many other things that I could keep going on about. Um, you should know this if you don't already, but Nick has created two films, many award-winning um, films these are. So one was called Ultra Blue, and that was the first of the two that he's done so far. Yeah. And the other one is Zero One. Yeah. This is correct, sir? That is correct. And so I'm just going to run down this list because this is how many awards there are. Um, so for his first film, Ultra Blue, he won the Audience Award at Scene Film Festival. He was award, award He was awarded the Choice Film Award at Korea Queer Film Festival. He won Saturday Short Select for Ain't It Cool News. And for Zero One, his second of the two films so far, because we know more are coming, uh, it won Best Short Film at Honolulu Film Festival. It was the winner of Best Short Film at North Louisiana Gay and Lesbian Film Festival. It was the winner of Best of 2019 at Cocktails and Screens. And biggie people, not that the others aren't, but it was an Iris Prize nominee. And that was at the Iris Prize Festival at Cardiff. Mm -hmm. Yes. What the hell is that? <laughs> uh, it's it's. I had no idea what it was until about 2017, and it's... It's actually a really special festival because it's uh, the largest um, LGBT film fest award in Europe for short films. It's about 30,000 pounds. And that's like, that's a massive amount for wow. an award. So like, and they only nominate 35 films, you know, every year. And Zero One was lucky enough to be one of those nominations. 35 every year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So back in 2018, when right, right after we world premiered. Um, in Austin, we moved to Cardiff and got to celebrate. Yeah, the wow. nomination. That's unreal. Yeah, it's been it's been a weird, very surreal journey the it's last been a ride. year and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so so. Wait, your first film came out when? Uh, so Ultra Blue was shot late 2015, and then it kind of had its big world premiere in April of 2016. And then I ended up touring with that for like a year and a half, and then that bled into like starring in like other short films. And then I was able to like tour with those. And through that, I kept writing the next film in this like Jimmy Park saga, mm -hmm. which led to Zero One. And then Zero One we shot in February of 2018. And then we world premiered it in August. No, sorry, in September of 2018. And since then until last year, December, we just went. We just kept going. God yeah. damn. So it was crazy. You don't know this. I don't. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell are you going to say? <laughs> I know. I watched both of your films. Mm. <laughs> I, yeah, I, was, I wasn't sure. I was like, okay, we're going to ask these questions. Right. But I didn't want to talk to you about it. It's yeah, like I yeah, to you about it. yeah. I have to say, so you had shared with me before we we're talking now that mm. the second film had gotten a lot of mixed reviews. People weren't digging it it maybe wasn't going to fully get made or or get released yeah it, it, the, yeah it was like it was it was a very very antagonistic um reception at first it was like v less than lukewarm lukewarm and it was just sort of 
everyone just thought the first was better, you know, and I was suffering from like sequelitis and I, and you know, and for me it was like, I spent two years developing it and figuring it out. And then, you know, we were able to raise about $24,000, which is five times the budget of ultra blue. Wow. And I felt like I had wasted everyone's time and money and my own life to put this out. And I really took everyone's words to heart and I believed them. And I didn't, I did not, I think the empathy in me was a, you know, like it played, it worked against me in that case because I had no spine to support the film I had just made. Mm. And I think that was like the best lesson I ever learned because, you know, like I gave, I basically gave up on the film and the moment I did, we this was you know like it was a finished cut yeah. we were being rejected from all the same festivals that took ultra blue with open arms and loved it and loved me and yeah. said they were going to support me as a filmmaker and then they kind of just like Shut they were off. like yeah and, and and it was like i i really it really felt like a shutout and um you know it's also a thing of like you can't take those kind of things personally because you are sort of you know, festivals are at the mercy of so many things, including like what is the the current agenda for mm-hmm. the festival in any given year? Yeah. Like what are the goals and themes of it? And also, you know, runtime, every, everything plays into it. But I still couldn't help but feel like I set out to make something that I thought could fill a void within the community, like mm-hmm. like a niche, like yeah. the LGBT space i thought i was making something that wasn't like everything else i had seen Mm -hmm. so when that was the return on it it felt it felt it was really hard i i i you know as i as we discussed like i i i basically quit i said well that was a waste of two years of my life and i'm gonna just i guess i'm just gonna put it on youtube and if 12 people watch it that's those are the 12 that i'll have to work with and i just have to try again and maybe I've only got two more shots before I'm like 35 or something and I have to give this up and just get a full-time job and, and, and enjoy movies as a, as a content viewer, as a bystander. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I think it's so important for people to hear how fickle Mm. this business can be, how fickle the audience can be. Yeah. And, um, you and I have spoken about, um, you staying, true to yourself we had a whole discussion about and we'll get more into this about the process of how zero one was actually finally made and how but we spoke about it at mm. the diner yeah i remember that and the way and you were like you were saying how it was like metal mm. like it it was just solid it was like metal yeah and it just wasn't able to be changed at that point like you felt like that was the bottom line and i didn't fully understand what you meant then you explained it more and I think we said yeah I think what we said was that that piece of metal represented your truth mm-hmm. and it wasn't bendable yeah and, and you I can't bend the truth you can't bend the truth yeah and which I love I yeah I still love that I, I think love about that our yeah. conversation. I think that, that I I I've already started using that as like an expression like I think that that was a beautiful conclusion we made in that moment yeah it was and it's so and and look you you can't i mean i've i try and learn this it's always hard but i i can't control anybody else anybody's perception but i just got to keep trying to stay true to me and the fact is and we'll talk more about the journey of how hard it was for Mm, you but the fact that you did and the bottom line was well maybe only 12 people are going to see it on youtube and you stayed and look at look at what happened it it's funny it's like something that everybody around me was saying you should if you do a third one make sure you go back to the first one like go back in that direction hmm. yeah because this is it's definitely weaker it's not as strong just <laughs> just like you know and not as authentic the biggest like thing that was like thrown my way that that felt almost superfluous or ridiculous even mm-hmm. was when people would tell me that it wasn't as authentic as the first and i uh, you know it's just not the, it's just not the, it's not that yeah it's just it couldn't be farther from the truth like so much of my blood literally went into that script and into making that film. And to me, it is my best film. And it's the film that's gotten me the closest to, you know, my dreams and my career. And, you know, it landed me an agent. Like, it it led to everything. And, you know, like, I won, like, cash prizes over this film. I never won um, money. (laughs) 
for something I've created in my it's not life. Like bingo. Yeah, not even bingo. Like this bitch does not win. Like I am I have spent my life losing. Like you know, like I am now a very gracious loser. But this felt like you know, at the time I was like thirty one and I when I finished zero one and it was like how many more times can I lose before I I have to hang this up? So yeah, but it's like I, I think it's I think that was so powerful when we were talking in the diner about like the idea that like because you basically asked me um, on it was about the fact that like people were starting to say, well, maybe you should cut it down or you should do this yeah. or and maybe it'll help your chances of getting it out mm-hmm. there. And I had a really hard time reconciling that because to me, it I guess that's the difference because that's the difference right now for me as an artist or being like a commercial filmmaker mm-hmm. who is you know who has to apply to certain rules and it's right. like well i didn't get paid to do this so all i have is my dignity so i have to make my truth and <clears throat> excuse me and basically it's like zero one came out almost in like one piece like that that you yeah. know like when it was done you know like editing is a thing yeah but once the cut was secured i felt like that was the story and it was there all we had to do was color it mm-hmm. add the music and but there was no more space to like move scenes around or shrink yeah. them or or play with the cut again. I felt like that was what it was always going to be. And, you know, if we had more resources, we had more money, maybe it'd be some something else would change. Like the the quality of the cinematography or the, the color job or anything, you know, the yeah. production design budget, anything else would look a little bit more polished. But I had to just trust that the story was going to be good enough. And so that's what I did. So to me, it did feel like I sort of like alchemized a, a chunk of metal. And you can't really just, without boiling it back down to its essence to transform yeah. it again, you can't do anything else with it. Yeah. And then when you brought that up, that it's like kind of like the truth and you can't bend your truth. Yeah. It, that's, that really solidified for me something that I have been thinking about the more that I got to tour with the film and see the actual response in a theater, which yeah. is different than a bunch of people who are already basically they were asked to sort of give feedback and so they think it's like instantly like let me find all the criticisms i can give and let me watch this you know like on my smartphone or in on my laptop in my room alone and you know and what i discovered was that the film truly shined in the format it was meant to be seen in which was with an audience Mm -hmm. like being a raucous mess like i wanted everyone in the audience to be so engaged and like interact with the film and that's what they did and so that first screening that. changed everything. Yeah, I, you know, oh, man, there's so much that I love. I love, <clears throat> I loved, so I haven't even told you what I thought of the films, <laughs> but you know, I do want to say one thing. You just said like people are so quick to, to form a judgment mm-hmm. about, you know, a film or give their feedback immediately. And I do think that there is something, unless I have an immediate like, mm, that, that, they were not truthful. That was, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it just felt like a moneymaker or whatever. If it's a very strong reaction, otherwise, I, you know, we, we talked about this. That what film did I see? Um, I forgot what it was, but we were speaking about it, and I said, a lot of times somebody will ask me after I see a movie, like, mm, I forgot what movie it was, but I remember. Yeah, talking about that. and it's like, did you like it? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll be like, ah, I don't. It was okay. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I'm not really sure where I stood on it, right? But then, days after, mm-hmm. I catch myself. I'll be waking up thinking about it or just during my day thinking about something about a film. And then I know that it was a very good movie. Right. I don't have to like it. Yeah. I don't, it doesn't have to like jive and make me happy right. or make me feel mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is my jam. If it makes me think for days later or even the next month and I, mm-hmm. it comes to mind, that to me says so much more about a film over like, I love this immediately. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So like with your film, like, you know, I, it was really cool to see it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So oh, there's so much I want to talk about when it comes to your film, but yeah. did, I, I, did we talk about at the diner? Did we talk about like that one festival head who, who's his feedback to you yeah and that say it again w- please tell me again because I, I do no, remember yeah, yeah i'm trying to remember yeah it was just that like one only one of the only film festivals that did uh that i was an alumni of from ultra blue that ended up taking zero one and i think that that's something to like really like 
state because I think a lot of filmmakers can be let down by the fact that they think once they've gotten in with the festival that they'll always be in with the festival. And I'm here to tell you that's not always the case and you can't take it personally. Like it's just, it is what it is. One year the festival director will change or the, the head of programming will change and their taste will be different. Their mission will be different for the year and, and your film will just not fit that, you know, that overarching vision. But so like one of the festivals was CAFNI, the Korean American Film Fest of New mm. York. Um, it's it's like a third culture film fest. It's like um, uh, Z- Z- Ultra Blue played there and then we submitted zero one, you know, and we didn't hear back immediately. So we were like a little nervous again because this had been a few films, in, a few film festivals in. We were still yeah. being rejected from our alumni festivals. And basically we got we finally did get the uh, the uh, selection email. And then mm-hmm. there was like a nice big party that we went to for all the filmmakers. And, you know, at the party, I remember like sitting there and, you know, just sort of like meeting other filmmakers and stuff. And then one of the heads of the film festival came up to me and was like, hey, you did zero one, right? And I was like, yeah, thank you so much for having us like back at the film fest. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I actually really got to tell you, I got to talk to you about something mm-hmm. about your film. And I was like, okay. So we like sat down, we were dun, drinking. Dun, dun. No, no, but like, <laughs> no, it, you know, no, know. but it, I mean, I didn't necessarily feel that, but I, I knew that he wanted to say something. And for yeah. some reason, I kind of sensed that what he was going to say was going to help me mm. understand what happened to yep. the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the early months. And he basically said, he's like, so I watched the film the first time. And I remember just thinking like, when it was over, I was like, huh, I don't know. Is this like is this good? Is it as good as the first one? Is it, can we put this in our program? Hmm. And he said he wasn't sure and he was kind of conflicted about it. And he, he basically said that he wouldn't, he, he was not going to include it just out of guilt. But so he was very torn about the film. He didn't think it, Hmm. he wasn't very impacted by it. And then he said a day went by and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And then another day went by and Hmm. I was still thinking about the film. And a few days later, I was like, you know what? I need to go back to the film. And then I watched it again and I realized what you were trying to do was make a deep cut film about this character where we have to work a lot harder as the audience if we want to be rewarded. Hmm. And he's like, then I realized what you achieved. And I thought you made a great film. And that's why it's here. And that was the festival that led to my my agent. You know, like like my agent's assistant was in the audience. So you know what I mean? Like you it's don't know. it is just like a truly magical, weird loop of a thing, and I was so grateful for that. Yeah, and I was grateful that he was so honest with me. Well, that's the thing. That's you know we need we need more of that, yeah. more of that honesty, more of that um, that care to just to to take the opportunity to take it in. Yeah, to take it in, like to not come to a quick judgment. He was honest with himself and you. Yeah, right. Which I can really appreciate, and I, I think it's so important to acknowledge that. You know, you just, with this business, you just don't know. You know, I I find it, I have to say, I find it so interesting, people's responses. So I watched, so I watched your films. I watched Zero One first. Okay. Because Mm -hmm. that is the one that we spoke about more recently and hearing your process with that. And I just really wanted to see and feel and and put it all together what you shared with me privately and a i i it's nonsensical that people compare one to the other they're two separate works of art which is very difficult like there isn't one that's they're different they're yeah yeah they're they're different you were at a different place you were telling Mm -hmm. a different story within yourself Mm -hmm. and the character yeah and I thought, I loved it. Yeah. And you know, you did share with me that, I mean, that, that's such a, like, I loved it. I have so much more to say. No, but, no, yeah, but, but I, no, but that's, thank you. Like, I love, I, you know I, I love thought? hearing that. You know, you know what I thought? Which is like, for me, I don't, unless it's like Parks and Rec, <laughs> The Office or Frasier, like, I don't really want to like loop anything. You know, yeah. I don't want to watch it over and over. <laughs> Glorious bastards I can watch Ooh, over and over. Yes, yes, queen. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. And your film, I felt like I could watch it again and again. Oh, that is, that's, thank you for that. that that's. It, it was such a beautiful mix of like 
just the beauty of ev- I mean the cinematography the direction that you did like your writing getting to that that window into that your character and and the dynamics with the family like yeah. I just it it didn't so people one thing people said is am I correct that it was like too dark and negative or like what were they saying about it yeah well they were they they had issues with like um they basically just didn't think that it's hard to it's funny because i'm like going backwards now to the you're like i don't care what they say now no 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 yeah and it's like been so long now that i kind of even have blocked like not even blocked but they've dissolved anymore yeah right yeah but they they just like they i gotta pause which should be such a lesson to us Mm. it doesn't matter now because we get past it it should never matter to begin with because it's not about them yeah right and if i had only stayed more focused on myself and my 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 right my little my baby that i created I would have been happier on the journey to get where it was going. And it was always going to go where it was going to go. And I had to just, I, it was a lesson in learning to truly trust the journey of it. You know, the, I, I made this movie called Zero One, which yeah. is like about going from zero to one, mm-hmm. like starting all over again. And the tagline was nothing good gets away. <laughs> and I didn't learn that until halfway through the, like the film circuit, you know? It, that's, that's what it is to be human. I yes. feel like even when we learn a lesson, we relearn it and we mm-hmm. relearn it. And you were saying about this film, it taught you a lot that moving forward, mm-hmm. you don't have to like doubt yourself yeah. so much. You don't have to. You'll tr- you'll be able to trust more. Yeah. Do you think you will? Yeah, I mean, I'm. It's it's funny because again, here I am. I'm at the I'm at the writing stage of the next one, and the next one's a feature, and it's like a whole different type of box of challenges. You know, from like, it's like, you know, zero one's 24 minutes. This next one's going to be two hours. Wow. And it's like, I have, I'm already like starting to stress about where the hell is the budget coming from? Can I really pull off this film? Can I write a, an interesting two hour film? And it's like, does this character deserve two hours of screen time? And, and what am I trying to say in this film? What am I doing? Who are just everything? I'm like, am I in love with the story? Am I in love with the characters? I, all of this is happening. And it's like, all of that is enough to derail the, of course. The, the the whole sort of process but i constantly come back to zero one i go back to being in hawaii like i was that was like the most vip moment of my life Dude, like your instagram me with out. you dancing yeah. I, <laughs> my first giant award win that. i i would show my boyfriend i'd be like <laughs> i made him watch it so many times because my heart was like oh yes like you, you, you don't even know okay wait i have to just to like go back a little <laughs> yes. bit that night so it's like okay i just have to share this because i want people i feel like i need people to know that one day they'll be celebrating the way that i celebrated Mm. and it was so damn great that it made everything worth it like it's like so like you know i was like flown out there i was one of their like vip delegates they treated me like you know a king and Mm. um my film was the closing night film which is the which is a huge honor. So my short preceded wow. the f- closing night film. When mm. in this case which was which was um Papi Chulo, which is like a film with Matt Bomer. Mm. Um which I actually really loved. So I was really proud to be, you know, in the same sort of screening. Yeah. But like I got, you know, like a a massive response to the film. I remember being in the very back of the theater sort of filming it because I felt like this might be the last time I get mm. to really be in an audience with it and I have experienced this so many times now where like the audience is just without fail so responsive and so into this journey and I just remember being so happy to be there and so like you know so anyway we had this incredible Q&A afterward and I got to you know like I shared in that room a lot of things that I don't know if I'll ever share again publicly and I felt safe enough in that space with like that full house to say things and they it was this beautiful moment of connection between audience and filmmaker and artist or whatever. And so I was high off life. Mm. And then the next day was the closing of the festival. My first red carpet event, you know, like I had, and I was like put up in my hotel. I could outside my window of the hotel, like I could see all of Hawaii and like the mountains that are in Jurassic park, you know, the movie that started it for me, the ocean was nearby. It was like sunset. I was getting dressed and I look out my, my balcony and 
the the carpet event is like right below me and I can see them all setting up for the party. So I was like high off life. Get down to the event, take photos, oh my you know, God. and then like go You're relax. Fancy. And I, I, I felt very fancy. <laughs> and then I basically spent like two hours drinking like crazy and celebrating because to me it was over. I didn't even know that my film was nominated or that it was up for an award. And then I'm in the middle and people just kept coming up to me. And talking oh about God. zero one, and so I was like, have, I was so high, and I was oh. so happy to have these conversations with these people. And all of a sudden, in the middle of talking about help answering someone's questions, I hear zero one, and everybody like claps or screams, and I'm like, what just happened? And I I don't know what's going on. I'm like, I'm sorry, I think I just heard my film name, and then I didn't know what that was, and then I hear it again. It's like, where's Nick? Where's Nick? Nick Neon. And I'm like, what's going on? And I'm like moving through the crowd, like to get to like the the podium. And all of a sudden, I get there, and like the head of the festival, Brent, is like, he's just like, come here, come here. I'm like, he's like, I'm like, why? What's going on? He's like, you won. I'm like, what did oh I fucking God. win? He's like, you won best short. I was like, <gasps> and I like froze, and everything. And it was one of those moments where like everything went silent, and I saw the award coming my way, and it was this massive, beautiful glass oh plaque my with my name and zero one there, and it just that single moment made me realize the importance of awards it's not to like blow yourself it's to basically knock everyone over the head with who told you you couldn't do it yep. or told you it wasn't worth it yeah it is like the ultimate punching like glove yeah and so like i had that award and then i ended up spending the rest of the night holding it like, and I just remember walking around everywhere and I was like, I'm taking this to Mickey D's after. I'm taking this to the beach. Like, tonight, it ain't weird. Tomorrow, it will be weird. But tonight, I motherfucking won, so I'm holding this motherfucker. And it bitch, was, you try and tear it from me. Yeah, Fuck bitch, you. try and take it. Try and make me feel stupid today. And then I literally remember finally, like, ending the night and it was, this, it was the longest night. It was crazy. I get back up to my room and I've been alone on this whole trip. Usually like I've had one person on my yeah. team with me and this was like, I was alone and I think I had to be because I needed to know my own self-worth. Mm. And I just remember lying in bed, you know, watching TV and it's like 5 a.m. and I'm so like hungover already. Yeah. But I'm just sitting there and I put the award up against the other pillow and I fell asleep like looking at it. And then I woke up and was like, great love. I need, I, this is like, this is a, a dance celebration. And that's how that video oh, got posted. Oh, yeah. God. I was still so high off of it. I, but anyway, yeah. I, <laughs> oh my, I have so much for that. So, okay, a couple of things. So one, for those of you that don't have the honor to know Nick personally, when you say, you said it so beautifully before, but you said um, that everybody, this is like, everybody will get to have that moment yeah. and like so you as an artist mm -hmm. you are such you are you and me i mean you know how we connect like mm. you are my kind of artist you are generous and loving and giving and caring on such a such a beautiful level thank you and so when you just said that you just said it like and so when people have this moment like because they will i believe it i know you do yeah. and that's the thing you think of others without even realizing you're thinking of others yeah okay you, i didn't think about that you didn't... give love without you yeah. give inspiration without even trying just by being you i get to witness this and it is a beautiful thing but i i just wanted to call attention to who you are thank you that makes me emotional yeah seriously thank you because you you know you're um it's a really beautiful thing to believe in others to give them hope when as artists we can feel so hopeless sometimes absolutely yeah thank and i you. yes and thank you yeah i love you man you know i, I love know. you yeah. I, I love, love you. you you're my thank you no. you're my you're my soul brother yeah i say that all the yeah. time yes. you are soul sims yeah oh man i gotta i gotta get my crap together right now I'm all, <laughs> I know, all teary eyed and shit I know, I know. for those of you who can't see us we both look a hot mess right now we're balling <laughs> This tissue's no, there just I think, in case. No, I know. I was gonna say, but like, I think, like, I think why it's emotional for both of us is because don't we both wish the world was kinder to us? Yes. And it's like I just want to. I don't. I don't want people to feel how I felt, and I know that they will. Yeah. So I just want to do anything in my power to help them understand that it can pass, and that's what Electric Mars is about. Hmm. Yeah. Which is the next yep. film. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, um, you shared a lot with me about the process of this film, about Zero One. And a lot of it is very, very personal to you. Mm. Um, But you, you did share a little bit before that you were at a place where you were kind of giving up. You were giving up, you know, like um, maybe I got to get a full-time job mm-hmm. and, and that's it. Yeah. Maybe throwing in the towel. It's about yeah, that time. Yeah. I technically did throw in the you towel. You did. Yeah. Exactly. And what got you out the other side? What happened? So, I mean, I, it's this thing where it's like, I wish I could take credit for pulling myself out of it. And it's unfortunate that that's not how it worked. We as artists, you know, we always want to believe that we make something, maybe not in a vacuum, but close to a vacuum Mm -hmm. for ourselves. But there is the greater world out there. And we, whether we want to admit it or not, we want their approval. We want an approval. And and approval is like a misleading word because what approval really means is that we want someone to say, oh, I also know what that feels like. You're not the only one who felt that. And, you know, like we all like as humanity, like, as parts of humanity, like we all want to feel this sense of inclusion. And so that's what like artists are, I feel like artists are mainly seeking is like other people's approval because they just want to know that they're not alone. alone. Yeah. And so like, I, you know, like I remember hanging up the towel, like in July, it was July of 2018. We had shot the, fi- we had Everything happened so quickly for Zero One. Once, like, everybody kept asking me, all right, are you done with the script yet? Are you done with the script? Like, how's how's the next film going? And I was just like, it's just going, man. Like, come on, like, give me a second. Like, I'm writing. I'm trying to make it the yeah, best thing it can be. You can't force it. Right. And so, and I know they meant well, but, like, every time someone asked, it just put all this pressure on me. So, I and then it finally happened. You know, that was late October 2017. And then... Very quickly, I met with a producer. She read it. We we already started talking about casting, and it started. And then basically in December, we went right into uh, casting. Um, in January, we we raised all the funds on Kickstarter in a month, and that was like hell because yeah. it's so hard to constantly That's- find creative ways to ask people people for money and and be truthful and, and, be truthful and transparent and not and, like a salesman yeah like it's, right it's, yeah and it's and it's rough still now because it's like you've got all these reward things and you offer all these things and you you have to like deliver them and i still haven't finished delivering them like i am still like that is like on my chest like i've got to i don't want people to think i'm a fluke or a flake a, a flake yeah like that i just grabbed people's money and i just left right you know and so like that that still has to happen so it was like a whole thing kickstarter is a whole damn thing mm. But then we raised the money, we had our cast, and we shot in February. We had five days. I had never had that much time to work. You know, like, I'm I'm like the king of scrappy. So, like, it was like <laughs> having both, five sorry. days and all that money and, you know, and a huge crew for once. And we did it. And then I spent from March until June editing and trying mm-hmm. to finish it. And then by July, there were so many rejections that had come through. I remember being at my day job at the time, and I... Like I remember so clearly, it was a Friday where we met. Yeah, that's one at one on one. One on one. Yeah, Uh, that's the story I wanted to talk about too. How we met. We'll get there. Yeah, and so like I basically remember one day. It was like a very long day. Mm -hmm. It was a little stressful, and so I, you know, I was like already a little like I was tired, but I felt like I didn't have much to offer for the rest of like I didn't know how to chill out. Yeah, yeah. So I was lying down and stressed, and it's one of those days where like you know you're so tired and exhausted, but you can't fall asleep. And so I found myself and and I just couldn't stop thinking about how many rejections we'd gotten and the feedback from my peer group, you know, friends. And I was just like, well, this failed. Mm -hmm. And then I remember thinking, I don't think I can do this again. I don't know if I have like two more shots at this. And Mm -hmm. they're not even like a full length feature yet. Like these are just like shorts. And I remember it being like 4 a.m. And I just Googled like, how do you give up your dream? And I just remember like reading all these random forums and crap that would come up in the Google search results. And, you know, some people talking about like they lived through their children, others saying that's their one regret. And now they're in their 70s. Just like every story you can think of, of like how people show their regrets or how they try and like heal from it, from things that they wish they had done. And 
I remember just crying myself to sleep and I had decided I was going to just give up on zero one and just put it online and on YouTube. Yep. And then the next day I got the world premiere email. And then only five days after that, I got the notification that I was nominated for the Iris prize. And then since that, it, it didn't stop. And then I toured with it for a year and a half. So like that pulled me out. But, but once the festival circuit began, I was still feeling like an imposter. I was like, here I am, like going to all these festivals and everyone's loving it, but I still don't feel it. And it's like, here I am preaching about go from zero to one. Nothing good gets away. Yeah. Like the film is about self-worth and, you know, and, and I couldn't believe it. I still had a lot of hatred for myself and I had a lot of healing to do. And it's like that process happened through touring and meeting other people and them just coming up to me and telling me their stories there were lots of tears shed on the q a's oh i can't like you know traveling all over the place and yeah yeah so i really think the people that i honestly like the audience is what got me through to the other Mm. end of it like with you know the thing with you is that um you're the kind of you're the kind of work you're the kind of artist you're the kind of person that i connect with as much as I would love to be a smiley, happy person all the time, <laughs> you and I both know it's not interesting to me when things always seem easy. Mm-hmm. Or and I, I, I think you touched on something. Sorry, I'm, I'm changing gears. Sure. But yeah, yeah. You said like you felt like an imposter. Yeah. Okay. And I think that that is something that I can identify with, feeling like a fraud. Yeah and figuring out when I have bursts of like creative stuff and then actually trusting that that was something and that, you know, but I don't feel that way all the time. It doesn't, I I gotta, for me, I gotta stop judging what comes out of me, what, you know, and. um, We've got the world doing it for us. Exactly. So like, and I think all artists, all creatives, like all actors, we're our worst enemy more than other, you know, factions of humanity because it's like we have the most at stake like what we try and do is like take feelings and reinterpret them or or lay them bare you know like people fucking buy hallmark cards because they can't do it they need someone else to do it for them and that's that's yeah and so and it makes sense why why there's that element of fraud or imposter syndrome or yeah, I think there's something to be said about feeling like an imposter. And yes, and like, while, while there's rejection in other people's careers and stuff, I believe as an actor, as an artist, um, our product or our career is our soul. Our fingerprint. Yeah. Yeah, it and is there's, different. And it is tied to our... It's tough, I think, because our entire sense of being is tied to feeling like I'll speak for myself mm-hmm. like my emotions and my soul and what they are drawn to do and connect with humanity yeah. or my purpose so when it feels that significant and I have to be free and able to do that to do what I'm meant to do I'm only human mm-hmm. it is very hard to be vulnerable yeah. it's very hard to let people in mm-hmm. and to freely to freely put that out there. Yeah. It's really difficult. I don't know if you can identify with that. Yeah, cuz I mean, absolutely. It's I think it's as simple as like when you look at the world, the what when we look at what touches humanity, it's usually like art in some form. I think we are the reason why we feel so vulnerable is because as artists and actors and creatives, if we're doing our job right, we are getting in touch or we are bridging between people, you know, like where we're like accessing emotions and feelings and ideas that other people can sort of relate to, but you cannot get in touch with humanity if you're not in touch with your own humanity so it requires such a deep well and knowledge of like 
yourself yes. and and like a des- a deep desire to put that on display in some sense. Yep. As an actor, it's your it's your actual being. Yep. As a painter, it's what you paint. It's yep. as a musician, it's what you yeah. create. It's like and so there's it's a raw vulnerable state. I was I was coaching somebody the other day um and he's an actor and mm-hmm. uh I was he has shared personal things with me about things that he struggles with. And I gave him some assignments to write about. And while that may not be acting training, I believe that it is. Because as an actor, for me, the stuff that I'm not aware of or that keeps me blocked and that I don't chip away at will only block me in my work. I can't fully connect to a character or how someone's feeling if I can't connect to my own feelings. Absolutely. Or and am not comfortable in them. Yeah. So I think it's important to know ourselves, you know? Yeah. It's so hard to expose ourselves, though. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's the... I mean, it's... I don't know how to, I don't know how else to put it except that every I don't know like it's one of those things where it's like it's not enough to just say that it's it's the hardest thing cuz it's beyond it's that. beyond I know it's just beyond it It's funny cuz when I'll speak to my brother he'll kind of like I'll I'll get into a very like passionate talk about mm. acting or this or that and he just at some point he just starts to his smile starts to crack <laughs> and he's just like I'm like, what? And he's like, you're, you're just so intense. You're yeah. so intense because I could talk about this mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. It and is what's like, and what's interesting to me yeah. is that, like, to me, this feels calm. Right. Like, this this exchange right now is, like, you know, it's, like, almost meditative. Right. It doesn't feel intense. But my brother is not this way, so he'll no, go. I know, yeah. He'll go, like, artists are he won't to, say artists are crazy, but he'll just yeah, be like, no, no, artists yeah, yeah, yeah. are, oh, to, they're a yeah, lot. Yeah, right. It's a lot, right. <laughs> yeah, but it's like. Which I get, but yeah. I, I, don't know, I don't know anything else. Same. I agree. It, yeah. I'm, I've always known this. I'm a very sensitive being. I think that, I just, I think that that's just who I am. It's yeah. my DNA. I think that's partly why I am feel that this is what I'm meant to do. Yeah. You know? No. I do. I do have to say, I've always said this since I met you, like. And not to sound condescending because we're not that far in age, but like <laughs> I'm so proud of you. It is so mm. courageous to do the things you do, to take the actions, to make these films. Like, you know, in your films, just watching even the credits, I already knew you wrote and directed yeah. and starred in. Yeah. But you edited um yeah. ultra colored. Yeah, yeah. Ultra blue. Yeah. And the color that what did I write down? It was the um uh you for zero one, mm. you cut and co- oh yeah, you yeah, cut yeah. and colored zero one. Yeah. What does that mean? Cut being edit, well, and then okay. color being like the grade of the film, which is like all the color you see on screen was put there with intention. Oh, you know, like whether it was like that in, I know. whether it was on set via the cinematographer, the DP, mm-hmm. um, how it was lit on set, but then like even that sometimes gets reinterpreted in the final. Edit. And so, yeah. yeah. And so in that final thing, that's what cut and colored is. It's like uh, basically the pace of the film and the tone of the film, the color and you feeling of it. You edited both films? I did, yeah. I, I mean, I, I have a big background in editing from my time in Korea. I, so, I, so many questions. Yeah, I, that, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, now, so being AD on David's film, Three Kings. Yeah. And seeing, being there for every single thing of how that was shot and then seeing how it was edited. I had never understood editing the mm. way that that opened my eyes. Yeah. An editor of a film is so crucial. Yep. It is so significant into mm-hmm. how, like, how a piece of art is manifested at the end. Yeah. Like, it is just, it is, it is completely different. It is, I mean, it's, it's, I don't even have the words. Yeah. Because it was fascinating to see mm-hmm. what a good editor can do with something. Yes. I saw all the raw cuts. I saw I was right, there for right. every piece of the shoot. You edited those so beautifully. Thank you. And when I watched them, John was leaving for work, and I said, "I said, can you just come here for one second? And I just showed him 
like a couple of pieces of things. And I went, he has such a style. Yeah, you have such a style to the way that you are a filmmaker. Mm. It is so, it is so beautiful and so unique, and it is so your voice, and it, it just it's beautiful. Thank I you. love so, you know this, and so Nick and I have this strong connection. Mm-hmm. We are, we've talked about this. I, you're one of the closest people in my heart, mm-hmm. and yet we have not always had a lot of time to spend together. Yeah. And when these from when Zero One came out, yeah. I, yeah, I didn't see you for yeah. months. I have. I was in my own crap. Yeah, we were all. We were just I was. Busy. I was not a show up kind of friend for you the way that I would have liked to have been. No, I know, but I'm same. same I know. Same. I know. Yeah. You and I. We're, that's, we, we, we have are. this understanding yes, of like yeah. being in our spaces, yes. which is something beautiful about our friendship. Yes. Yes. But you know, like always supporting you so much, and then seeing your work. Yeah. Was like, it's the thing. You know, it it didn't matter to me whether I liked them, whether I thought they were good. I believe in you, even if they yeah, weren't my speed. Right. Like, I, 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 it's such a funny thing. I didn't care yeah. really how they were. Yeah. Because I just, I believe in you. Yeah, yeah. But then to see them, I love how they represent you. I love who you've grown to be and make these. I just, mm. I feel like it says so much about your journey. And it's just, it's really beautiful. I'm so glad you're able to share that yeah, with the world. Thank you. And I have questions. Mm-hmm. Unless you did, you were you about to say anything? No, no. I'm just I I can't thank you enough. Uh, I'm, I'm I so grateful. Uh, yeah. I'm so grateful. And you know, so are there? Would you say that there are parallels between Jimmy, James, and you? <laughs> Are there yes, parallels? Absolutely, yeah. You know, they J- say you J- write what yeah. you know. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, that was that was what this all had. This is the character of Jimmy Park, Jimmy fucking Park. Jimmy fucking, fucking Park. Park, fucking a. Yeah, this like you know he is like he is me a few years ago mm. at any given point. That's what I'm working with for the rest of my life. You know, I spent most of my life hiding away from running from my desire to be an actor and you know i graduated from college in 2008 and where did you go uh sva school of visual arts and what, in new york city to study uh screenwriting actually oh. i so in my second year i had already felt like i wanted to just pack up and move to la and quit school and just be an actor mm. but it but i just couldn't I I was paralyzed and I also felt like, you know, I was like the first in my family to go to college and it's like, oh, I can't let these people down and everything, you know, always making choices for other people. And I basically finished my degree and that was 2008 again. So I didn't see myself on screen, literally like Asian or Asian-ish as a lead in anything. And I also- What is your nationality? I'm Korean. For those of you that have no uh, Korean, idea what you look like. <laughs> Korean, Scottish, um, Spanish. Uh, a lot of people tell me I'm like white passing, but I definitely <laughs> feel Asian as fuck. And when I see myself in the mirror, all I see is Asian. I Really? Yeah. And it's it's yeah, it's a thing that I've been on my own journey to to embrace and yeah, be. Yeah, I was gonna proud say of. how is that for you? Yeah. Yeah, because like I you know, at some point I wanted a nose job. It it like, you know, I wanted I wanted to I wanted to look more like my dad yeah. and less like my mom. And that Scottish, breaks my heart. Your dad is Scottish? Yeah, Scottish, Spanish, yeah. you know. So. I get that. Yeah. And it was like one of those things where I just, you know, so it was that. It was like not seeing Asian in the lead. And then also I, did, I didn't think I could go back into the closet. And there were no truly openly gay people. There was some people on, you know, the peripheral. But there was no one really out in the open. And I thought it was not, it was impossible. Hmm. I don't want to go back into hiding. And so I said, you know what? Well, if that's the case, and I'll I'll become a director, and I can still work with actors, and that'll fill that void. And it fucking didn't. Yeah. And I spent years in Korea, like joining an improv troupe and starring in like my first like indie like micro budgeted feature film thing, like that. You know, just like kind of just trying to insert myself constantly without realizing what I was doing. So when did you come out? I came out at sixteen. At sixteen. Yeah. So, yeah. That's a process all of itself. We'll it get, is. I know. We'll get yeah. there. 
But basically, yeah. it was one of those things where I had been in Korea for almost eight years, like about seven years or so. And yeah. I started thinking, I either have to put my roots down now or I should move back to the States. And I also said, if I'm going to go back to the States, I need to go back being everything that I set out to be mm-hmm. once upon a time. And if I can't do that, then I don't deserve to go home. And that led to Ultra Blue. And that led to, you know, filming it in Korea as I was leaving and starting this new journey I've been on. And if and, and it's like one of those things where it's like, if only I knew then what I know now, right. maybe I would have started Always. sooner. But according to the way the world has moved and yeah. where everything is today, I, I entered the game right when I needed to. It was supposed to be the yeah. way it's supposed to be. Yeah. So that was one thing I, I didn't know because so I don't know if you know this about me, but any movie that I ever watch, I want to know nothing about it. Yeah. Literally comedy, drama, actors, uh, trailer, nothing. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. So if, if I get a sense by somebody saying that a show is good or something, I'll either take a leap and I'll go, right. I'm going to try it. But if they start to tell me, oh, and, and she lost, but no, 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 no mm-hmm. I freak out. <laughs> I do not want to know anything because wow. it okay. colors yeah, the experience yeah, yeah, for me. Yeah. Anybody's take on anything that I'm looking for sure. what their take is the entire yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I just don't, there's nothing. Yeah. I don't want to know anything. So with your films, while I'm lucky enough to have gotten to hear your experience, experience in the right, making yeah, of them. Right, you didn't. I didn't know, know so much yeah. of the films. Yeah. We talked about certain things and where they right. came from and how that, right. they, you know, you adapted and, and things like that. But I went into these films blank. Yeah. Which I loved. Yeah. I loved. I I I just I love to see the journey. Yeah. I love to see your character was is so lost. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yes. Can you identify with that and do you feel like that's part of how this came to be these films yeah i mean so right now this is uh we're two films into this thing that i nicknamed the jimmy park saga Mm -hmm. and these first three films the third one that i'm working on now is the first feature length following this character so basically this is like zero one's a second in a trilogy of my whole thing is like i want to follow jimmy park every decade of his life and we're going to kind of mm. see this character grow old on screen. So that's what I'm about. Did you see those movies before uh, before Sunrise? Oh, I, that's, that is absolutely one of the biggest influences. That, Eternal Sunshine. I, yeah. Well, we've spoken about yeah. that. Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, right. And my relationship yes. with Clementine. Yep. Yeah, it's just one of those things. So I, I, I just was like, well, what can I do with this series that is unique? What is truthful to me? And so in my life what I'm experiencing is for me, it's like I needed, I needed to find my own window into what I wanted to tell. If I was going to be telling a story about a character that we're going to revisit him at multiple points in his life. These first three films are very much about my personal twenties. And so, you know, the first ultra blue, like it explores both shorts are 24 period, 24 hour periods. First one explores the first 24 hours after like sort of a brutal breakup mm-hmm. or faux breakup because he it's like that's right. the world that character lives in. And, yeah. You know, like of like things are not clear. You know, you're you think you're in a relationship. No, nobody wants to admit that they're in a relationship. I wanted to ask you yeah. about that, about that. Your character's kind of take on that, like being sick and tired of like how mm-hmm. things are, for lack of a better word, flaky and yeah. significant. And yep. do you. And transient. Yeah. Do you feel that? Can you identify with? I still feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, like I think I'm like a a cusp millennial and, you know, and I, I don't understand the world of the generation below me. But you're such a, like you and I both are, we've said this before, like old souls. Yeah. So it's a very different thing. It's a different thing. But like, I, I don't know. It's in a lot of people and it's also very different in the queer community where everything's a lot more open and there's yeah. almost like an antagonistic let's go in the opposite direction as far as we can. So we're going to, you know, like there's a, there's a, like there's, a, there's for every person who's like sort of like in support of like 
more sort of like open relationships mm-hmm. or like very future future forward thinking yeah. in terms of like the dynamics within a relationship. Mm-hmm. There are people on that side of the equation who are very much trying to shame queer people who might adhere to like a more classic traditional traditional yeah and it's like yeah and i think that that's really unfair just because i look at my life and i fall into that category and i don't think it's only because that's what i've been conditioned into i have very limited energy and a and people make me feel a certain way Mm -hmm. when i'm in love like a person will make me feel a certain way yeah and i don't have like the bandwidth to spread that out or it's like culturally it you know like within i identified as gay for a very long time mm-hmm. but then i started to realize that like a lot of things that happen within the gay culture and gay community yeah. i don't understand and i i started identifying as queer because to me that felt like that felt more appropriate because i just felt like other whether it was in the sort of like heteronormative world mm-hmm. or like you know like the the queer the yeah. the sort of like um alternate it just felt i was like an outsider on both sides so Mm. jim is kind of like you know i mean again jim is me and i felt constantly like i was on on the like periphery of existing and being in korea was also such a strange experience for me and so i just needed to kind of make sense of it and the only way that i could do that was like to put it you know pen to paper and then bring it to the screen so yeah I highly rec- I highly relate to Jim and you know Jim is like a, a much more flawed version of who I am today and maybe he's exactly who I was a few years ago and what I've learned yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to save Jimmy Park and I mm-hmm. hope that by like having him go through his journey other people can watch it and take something away from it. And so far, it's been the case. Like, it's worked. And the thing is, is that it it is a journey for Jimmy Park, for you, for me. Like, I think about who I was in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And for me, or early to mid-20s, that was my lowest point in life. That is when I hit a bottom of not knowing how or who to be, how I was going to do it. Yeah. And so I don't think, like you just said about identifying with queer or gay, like, Mm -hmm. and at this age, you're supposed to like be getting out of college and have your crap together. And like with your character, like, you know, it's 26, Mm -hmm. like he's supposed to have his stuff together. And and I, and I, I like rage against that. Yeah. Now. Yes. Because at some point you felt. Like, of course. No, that's the exact same way. I felt so less than so messed up and yep. everybody else has it together and what's wrong with me it's such an illusion it's such it's an so illusion illusive. because the thing yeah. is you get this what we see on facebook and instagram yep. is a version of people yeah. of what they're presenting and i think everybody does that and it's human no path is the same nobody's i i know mine wasn't the stuff yeah. that i went through in my life my peers didn't go through yeah it took me a while to get through and like it takes whatever time it takes and yeah. the more that I have come to accept that, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever be where I think I'm supposed to be. Yeah. So instead of keeping trying, instead of trying to keep getting to that place, yeah, right. I think I'm trying Hit to just marks. accept the journey, yeah. which is like yeah. what I would, I keep wanting to see with this character. Yeah, but that's what it, that's what I'm writing about literally right now. Yeah, that's his next. It's like the f- next film takes place two years after Zero One, and it's like the last year of his 20s mm. he's, it's we, we begin on him turning 29 and the film ends with him turning 30 and he is just still stuck in this situation where it's like he, to him getting older is a curse it's almost like a ticking clock and you know there's this moment where he's talking with like this person who becomes his the love of his life in this coming film mm. he just basically says that like it wasn't like I wasn't like by this point I was supposed to have these things and it didn't work out that way and so now I just feel like every year is like a negative mark Mm -hmm. and it's just like how do you make peace with that how do you and I I think the big lesson he learns in 
the course of the film is that his big his biggest demon is that his fear of making wrong choices as he gets older paralyzes him into making no choices and like a really important thing he says to me that i discovered was just that he's he basically says that like every time i come to a fork in the road i would rather sink into the ground than make a choice and like that journey is about how do you make peace with the choices that you make you asked in your film you said do you like or you said in your film like making like choosing things that you won't regret Mm -hmm. i forgot the the phrasing that you wrote yes um and then making decisions that you won't regret and right make and then he's like i don't think we what did he say i don't i think dean says i don't think we plan to make choices that we're going to regret exactly and i i feel like we can only do the best we can with what we have at the moment yeah yeah and that looks different as yeah for everyone for everyone at different ages at different yeah the the tagline for the third film is the only way out is through and I, i i mean you know it was one of those things that it's like it's a familiar expression but it is it begs repeating I have a um, a very close friend who's kind of like a, a spiritual mentor for me, and she's always say she she's she's always say <laughs> she, she, she's always shy she, she's always shy <laughs> <laughs> she always says you can't <laughs> you can't jump over it you yep. can't go under it you can't go around it the only way through is through yeah she says it all, yeah, all I, the time to me and I yeah that's what I've learned and that's what I'm telling Jim yep who is a few years younger. Yeah, it's kind of beautiful that you can talk to yourself. Yeah, it's it. it, Yeah. And that was the other thing. Like I always set out to make. So this is something that I didn't understand at first. Mm -hmm. I have spent many years talking about this film and Zero One and Ultra Blue leading up to it. And I have always said that I'm going to make a a love letter to my 20s. But for some reason that constantly conflicted with my ability to get it done, to, to properly find what is it about my 20s that mattered? And, you know, and I, I spent my 20s overseas in another country and culturally it was different. The people I met were different. Like the, the everything was so different, so magical and so crazy and scary. So how the fuck do I sum this up? Mm-hmm. And then late last year, there was I had a breakthrough. Up, there were, ahead, yeah. No, yeah, there yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Actually, no, that's exactly it because I realized I won't ever be able to sum up my 20s. So what is something that constantly comes back to me when I think about my time in my 20s? Mm-hmm. And the moment I started to look into that, I found the truth of this film. And I realized I wasn't always trying to make a love letter to my 20s. I was trying to make a love letter to loneliness because that's what most of my 20s felt like. Yeah. And the moment I honed in on that, every scene now serves what does loneliness look like in all of its beauty and yeah. glory and pain and sorrow and what does it look like when you finally meet someone that loves you and you still feel alone and you still feel lost and you still feel confused and how do you make peace with that and that's the that's the journey jim is on Mm. you know and and ironically i feel like i'm still on that journey but you know so like i'm just gonna find him a healthy breaking point by the end of the film of like, all right, this is a step in the right direction, but he's still deeply flawed because I mean, that's all you can do. Well, you've, I mean, based on if Jimmy is you and you were Jimmy, yeah. you've taken huge steps, but like you just said, you still struggle. Yeah, every day I'm still struggling with the and, same. And I, and I, 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 look, and Jim's dad says it to him. You say to your dad, like, does it ever get easier? Mm-hmm. No, you just, and your dad says, you know, no, you, you just, just get, get tougher. tougher. No. And hmm, people like the man, people will say my mom, you know, my mom died when I was 16 Mm -hmm. and she was dying, you know, dying in six since I was 11. And it's been, I think it's almost 22 years now that she's been gone and people will be like, it's never okay. Mm -hmm. Like I'm saying this, it's never okay. It's never easier. I've just grown and, and, and better able to, to adapt and I think that that's like our hardest things nothing changes the pain that 
for me. I'll yeah. Speak. Nothing's no, changed I, I the think... pain that I've, I feel or have felt. I just have grown to cope and, and I'm better create. equipped and, and yeah. learn to be healthier yes. in, yeah. how, in ways to deal how with you it. Deal with Would things, you say yes. like Absolutely. you're making films, yeah. you could be doing drugs yeah, or, right. or destroying your life and yeah. you're using and for, and for a second in my twenties, yeah. it was that it was, yep. I mean, not, I mean, there were, you know, there were drugs involved, but there were, it was definitely alcohol. Like yep. I had a very unhealthy relationship with alcohol and I never thought about it. I never thought I did. Like I, yeah. I, you know, and that's a big part of Jim's journey. You know, I don't know if you noticed in zero one, he's drinking in every single scene except the last one. Mm. He's drinking coffee. Yeah. And that to me was like a subtle thing that was from my heart. I don't care if anyone ever notices and mainly shows. no one doesn't, but it's like, that was so important for me. And every time I see the end of that film and he's on that roof and he's looking at those, that vision of those cars, I, I am so happy. And when he smiles, it's almost like I'm always smiling. 